Hey, welcome, and thank you for joining me on the Marathon Church Podcast. I am your host, Craig Henson, and it's been a minute since our last episode, but we have several episodes dropping over the next few weeks. About to start a brand new message series called Just the Phase, and we'll have a podcast with, with each one of those messages. And thank you to all of our loyal listeners. If you're new to the podcast, hey, please rate, review, subscribe, and share. And uh, so glad you joined us today. And it's going to be a little bit different today. We haven't really done a podcast like this in the past. And I have a special guest joining me. And we're going to talk about student ministry in post-Christian America. I think you're going to enjoy it. And I am joined today by Richie Henson. Richie is the high school ministries pastor at New Hope Community Church in Traverse City, Michigan. He grew up the son and grandson of a pastor in Southern California. He's worked as a teacher and pastor for kids and teens for the last 15 years. And he's been married to his spectacular wife, Becky, for 14 years. Together they have an awesome, awesome, awesome son, Emmett. And uh, he says it's really cold where he lives, but he's mostly okay with it. And just full disclosure, y'all, yeah, Richie is my oldest son. And uh, he's joining us on the podcast today. How are you doing, Rich? Uh, doing pretty good. It's a whopping 50 degrees. So, you know, I got my short sleeves on. Excellent. How about short pants? Are you in shorts today with it 50 or just short sleeves? Not today. Uh, it was 58 the other day and I was in shorts and a t-shirt. But uh, it's a little windy, so it feels a little colder today. Nice. I'm freezing in our building today, so I just threw my sweatshirt on a few minutes ago. Uh, it's about uh, 75 here today, though, so we're uh, happy. I, I, by the way, it's April 28th, whenever you may be listening to this, April 28th of 2022. So, y'all, uh, Richie and I both found our way to our current ministry positions during the pandemic. So, Rich, what what was it like relocating your family jumping into student ministry in this role, new role that you're in uh, during the pandemic? So the place we were living, uh, they call it here, they call it downstate. So we are like in the Detroit area. Um, down there, the pandemic hit hard. There's a lot of people down there, and it was a t- really, really tough uh, time and situation. Whereas where I'm at now, up north, as they call it, um, there's just so many less people. Uh, and the pandemic didn't really hit them that hard uh, until well into 2021. And so um, here they haven't experienced as much uh, of the pandemic stuff. So for me, it was a transition to not be uh, so heavy handed with some of the pandemic stuff, which felt a little weird. Yeah, cool. So I, I, I find it strange that that both of us, you know, kind of found our way. Uh, back into full-time ministry during a pandemic. And I, I always joke with people that I got hired during the pandemic. It seems like it's kind of a big deal, but uh, it seems like there's more jobs than ever out there for whatever reason. But yeah, it's really cool all that God did uh, to move you up to Northern Michigan and uh, the way that he's provided for you guys up there. Yeah, it's been really amazing. Um, there, Every step of the way, it was kind of like just telling God, like, if at any point the answer is no, please just make it clear. Um, and every barrier that we came up against, um, even though it took some time, God took every single one of those barriers down and really just showed us that this was the right place. So good. Hey, and I'm so excited uh, this summer. Uh, you're going to be partner partnering with Marathon Worship at one of your camps. Tell us a little bit about that. 
Yeah, so uh, we do a camp called Summit every year for our high schoolers, 10th through 12th graders. Uh, we take about 100 kids to camp um, at a uh, place called Starwood Ranch in Kalkaska, Michigan. Um, and as part of that, we always, always try to bring in somebody for worship as well as speaking who just has a different life experience and a different perspective than our students. Um, and so this year we're happy to have Spencer and some of the guys from the church uh, coming up for our camp to uh, run our chapels for us and, and just provide some some awesome worship time for us as we uh, seek God in that week period. Yeah, that's so cool. We're really excited uh, that they're going to be up there and uh, get to uh, participate in that camp with you guys. So, Richie, I wanted to talk to you today about student ministry and kind of what it's like uh, in the Midwest and in your context in northern Michigan. Like, what are the questions and issues that students are, are really dealing with, and and how, how does that differ maybe with students who are trying to follow Jesus? Are, are some of those problems and issues and things they're dealing with uh, is is it true for Jesus following kids or and other kids as well? What's it like up there? Yeah, we have really two really distinct groups of kids that we're ministering to right now. We have a really large population that does go to Christian school or is homeschooled. Um, and for those kids, a big concern for them is what does it mean to be in the world but not of it? And there's a lot of fear around this idea of culture and um the outside world having an influence in a negative way on their faith. Um, and so for that group of kids, you know, that's, that is one whole different kind of ministry where it is really showing them uh, that there is a good reason to be out in the world uh, sharing love of Jesus. And then we also have a group of kids, uh, albeit much smaller, who are, you know, the classic public school kids who come from homes that aren't necessarily uh, perfect. And so these kids, just want to know that this is an authentic place and they want to know that uh, Jesus is who he says he is. Um, And the the information they have about faith and about following Jesus is honestly very limited. And most of it's not from the Bible. It's from watching other people do it. Um, So we were really in a place where we're trying to learn how to minister to both of these groups of people at the same time in the same space. That's awesome. Would it be fair to say that you maybe have some people, um, in your church and in your student ministry, they're kind of caught up maybe in the, in the culture wars a little bit. And, and how do, how do we handle that nowadays as, as a church, as Jesus followers, how do we handle some of these cultural issues um, and still show the love of Jesus, um, but still be heard? Sure. I think, I think that's really true for a lot of churches that would consider themselves to be conservative these days is that there is, this feeling of fighting against the culture that happens. And I think, uh, especially for uh, some of our homeschool population, that's a real concern of standing in opposition to culture. And so one of the things that we talk about a lot um, is just looking at the life of Jesus and seeing how he was uh, in proximity to people who were far from God. He was in proximity to the religious leaders. He was in proximity to his own followers. So Jesus is living in a way where he is in close contact with all the people groups that are available to him in his location uh, in such a way that he can demonstrate who he is uh, and the need for salvation through him without ever having to give in to anything that opposes God's will. And so that's a huge thing for us is just really trying to demonstrate in our own lives, but also very practically walk kids through the idea that 
Um, there are things in culture that God says are wrong and that God says are sin, and we don't want to participate in those things. We don't even want to say that those things are necessarily good or right, but we do want to live in such a way that we have the opportunity to care about people who might be caught in the chains of sin in some way, shape, or form who are living in the culture around us. Yeah, that's really interesting. And how are how are students today relating to Jesus, um, whether that be kids inside the church, outside the church? What kind of grasp do they have of, of who Jesus is? Um, like, what's their reference point for the gospel? That's something that we're actually trying to figure out right now with a lot of our students, because we have a huge population that's extremely Bible literate. Uh, they've been around the story for a while, and so they know who Jesus is as Savior. Um, however, it's becoming more and more apparent that a lot of our, for lack of a better term, church kids, uh, they lack the understanding of Jesus' true invitation to be part of his kingdom and what that means for a missional lifestyle in your day-to-day. Um, and so they have all this knowledge about things Jesus did and, and the truth that Jesus is the Savior. However, there seems to be some gaps in this idea of what that means for a daily life that is following the model of Jesus to go out and uh, seek the lost for the kingdom of God. And I think it's especially hard for those kids who have all this knowledge because they're running into people uh, who are out in the world who have never been to church before, not even once in their life. Uh, who have never heard the name of Jesus and who have zero point of reference for anything that the Bible talks about with the exception of maybe knowing, you know, some of the Ten Commandments or something like that. And so we are encountering a world uh, that is completely de-churched and has no frame of reference for God or for Jesus. Man, that's, that's crazy. I mean, here, you know, here at Marathon, we're a church that, we want to be a church the unchurched love to attend, and so we're looking for people who've never been to church or given up on church, and so it's a constant battle to uh, continually encourage people to grow in their faith, those that are already in, but be relevant to those you know who are outside who who maybe have never been to church or or have divorced themselves from the church. With that in mind, mm-hmm. how how is talking to and teaching students differ? How's it different in 2022 compared to maybe five, 10 years ago? I can think of a, of a point in time where, and I think this is true for the church in general, um, when teaching was all about relevance. Teaching mm-hmm. was all about um, how to be relevant to them as a person, not necessarily making the Bible relevant, but how to create a relationship of relevance. Um, and it was about using like the best slang and having sermon series titles that might pique their interest, um, that are maybe, you know, somehow related to pop culture. And there was all this hard work going into this idea that we have to show these kids that we're real people and that we're cool. And that was the way that we worked so hard to get them to listen to the truth of scripture. But now in 2022, with all that's gone on and even the last decade, uh, Teens especially are sick of being lied to and feeling manipulated. Um, And I think that this can be seen a lot, uh, you know, in like the signing off movement that's happening right now with teenagers where they're deleting their social media accounts. They're they're signing off of social media because they're seeing the negative impact that they can have on them. Um, And we see kids who are seeking out therapy and who are seeking out conversations about suicide and mental health issues. And 
there's not this huge need to establish personal relevance anymore with them, but instead to be authentic and to show authenticity in all that we do, including our teaching, um, and to be real about who we are, to be real about who God is, and be real about what Jesus called for your life is. Man, that's that's so good because I think even down here in the Bible Belt, we're experiencing the same thing uh, with our students and, and even with adults. Um, one of the things you mentioned, Rich, is this idea of them signing off of social media. Um, with that in mind, what does what does that mean to how you market or how you try to reach into the culture, reach into these kids' lives? Um, is, is social media going to, you know, be a less important part of kind of what we would call marketing or reaching out to the community? Yeah, I think for, for us as a student ministry as a whole, both middle school and high school, that has already started to take a bit of a backseat for us. Um, we still post regularly every week. Um, we're trying to post things that are that would be considered like value added, things that are going to enrich somebody's life as opposed to, you know, invite them to come to a service or invite mm. them to come to an event. We're trying to post things that they can interact with, asking them what we can pray for, asking them what's going great in your week, what's hard for your week, uh, posting uh, short devos and that kind of stuff. So we've already started to make a shift away from it being uh, a means for us to invite people in and instead change it into a means to minister in the space that, that exists there. Um, and I think going forward, something that we're really challenging our kids with uh, and something that I think is going to be become even more important uh, in the next couple of years is to kind of go backwards in time a little bit and to revisit the idea of a personal invite. What does it yeah, mean yeah. for me as the leader of a ministry to personally invite my students to things, to personally encourage my students to come to small groups or to be at Wednesday night or to come to an event we're going to have and to also teach them what that looks like for their life and how impactful a personal invite and a personal conversation can be to another peer of theirs uh, as they try and reach people with the gospel. And how how big will vol- how big a role will volunteers play in that idea of, of a personal connection and personal invite to whether it be an event, a service, whatever? I, I think that's something that's so huge. Um, we currently have about 50 high schoolers that we see on a weekly basis. And we probably have another 25 more that we see very irregularly. Um, and a big thing for us right now is um, there's this concept in the Old Testament called hesed. And, and I'm not like a huge, like, what is the Greek or Hebrew say guy? But this concept that we often translate as love is really this idea of loyalty and belonging and family. And so that's something that we're trying to instill in ourselves as well as in our volunteers to say, you and your group of 10 kids that belong to you, you have to feel like a family. And part of feeling like a family is never assuming they're going to show up, but always taking the time and the effort to reach out, text, email, phone call, in person, whatever it is, to say, hey, don't forget we have whatever going on this week, and we would love to see you there. Is there any way that I can help it, help it be easy for you to get there? And so that's something that we put a lot of responsibility on our volunteers to do. Um, because if I have 50 kids that I'm responsible for, the likelihood that I'm going to be able to touch base with even half of them is extremely low. But the yeah. likelihood that a single volunteer could keep track of eight to 10 kids on a weekly basis and check in with them is extremely high. And I think it means more because the kids know that person's giving up part of their life. It's not their job to keep track of me. It's not their job to love me. They're doing that because it's genuine and that's just who they are. And that's who God's called them to be. 
Man, that's awesome. Um, so student ministry has always been a challenge. Uh, it was a challenge 30 years ago uh, when I was a young youth pastor. Um, what what are the major challenges of student ministry in, in this current climate? I think one of the biggest problems that I'm seeing is, especially with kids who uh, are inconsistent or who maybe uh, have walked away from the churches, the church has an image problem. And it's a problem that we've created for ourselves, right? We, we've made the church, at least in my opinion, into an idol. Um, you know, the church is uh, described in Jesus' time, and, and there aren't a ton of hard and fast rules. There's not a ton of explicit information about how to do things or what to do. And so, you know, sometimes we could look at the church in Jerusalem, and, and we got to realize, like, they just had to figure it out. And I think in a lot of ways, we as the American church have been in that too, where we're adapting and changing and growing. Um, but I think at least for me in the last handful of years, I've gotten so good at doing church, but I struggle to be the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I'm so good at, at figuring out what songs we should sing this week and how to, how to elicit an emotional response and how to add a little humor to keep it just light enough and how to call them to action and find the relevance in the passage that I'm teaching. Um, and all of our services have that and, and we're getting so good at doing church, but at least for me personally, I've realized that I'm bad at being the church. And I think we're in a place where people are tired of churches that are good at doing church, but bad at being church. And I think people are tired of organizations that seem like they want to do something for you and get something back from you, but that they're not going to be there for you on a daily basis. Uh, and so for us as a ministry, we are spending less and less time on hype and on excitement and more and more time on relationships and connection. Wow. That's good. So when you say, when you say be the church, that's what you really mean. You, you, you mean that personal connection, you mean that time outside of youth meeting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm talking about, you know, when, when something goes wrong in a kid's life, we want to create such an environment and such connection that that kid's first thought is I should call or text my leader or I should call or text somebody who's in my small group. Um, and that they know that that support system exists and is there for them on a daily basis, not just on Sunday or Wednesday. And that those people are going to show up for them in real life. Uh, they're going to be there when times are tough in person uh, with whatever they need. Man, I really feel what you're saying about programming and and just kind of we used to call doing doing church. Uh, yeah, we're just doing church, you know. Um, yeah. What are some elements maybe of student ministry that have maybe lost their steam? Maybe elements of your meeting are there things that you see that aren't really working anymore? And and if so, what are they? And and where do you think we need to go on the, on some of those things? Yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting to try and find the balance because, uh, you know, we still do once a month or so, we still do some kind of big event or some kind of extra thing that's outside of our normal services. And we still do a weekly service for our youth on Wednesday night. Um, but I think what is shifting and what's changing is we are adding more events uh, that aren't just dodgeball or a pizza party. And we're, we're replacing those type of events with worship nights and with nights of guided prayer um, and with special occasions where we are saying, bring a lost friend and they're going to hear the gospel this week. So we're kind of taking out some of the 
big events that were just about having fun where maybe you might get three minutes of God at the end. And, and there was like a real, um, you know, well, we better talk about God because we're at church kind of feel to it. And we're now trying to have a greater amount of balance where we are not treating them like kids anymore, but instead treating them like full fledged followers of Jesus uh, and providing for them things that will encourage them to continue on that path and to continue t- chasing after Jesus. Yeah, so one of the things that we're noticing is that this generation is completely over like the bait and switch. Like they just want us to shoot straight with them, right? And it sounds like that's kind of what you guys are moving toward uh, in your gatherings, in your events. Yeah, I definitely think that's true. You know, like uh, next week we're going to do, you know, Cinco de Mayo stuff, right? Why not? We're going to have nachos and, and have a good time and everything. But we're also starting a series next week that's uh, talking about some strong foundation that you can put in your life. Uh, and, so, and so next week we're talking about putting God first. What does that look like? What does it mean that you put God first in your life? So um, we will definitely get more time to worship and to uh, the message and to some small group time and discussion time after the message next week than we will to the nachos. And I think even five years ago, for me, that would have been the opposite. Uh, I would have tacked on the talking about God first and the small groups at the end and have the nachos be the main, main thing. But kids, they don't get hype like they used to for stuff like that. And, and they want something that they can sink their teeth into, something that they can talk about later, and something that they can wake up the next day and feel like it's going to impact their life. Yeah, so here at Marathon, we've uh, found this guy recently that's having a big impact on our ministry. His name is Mark Clark, uh, and I think I recommended his book to you. But he, um, he was in Canada uh, pastor in church. He's at Bayside Church in California now. And one of the things that we keep hearing from him is just trust the gospel. And and we're trying to, to put a bigger focus on the gospel in every setting, in every message, in every lesson, um, and in our, in our life groups as well. Um, how does the gospel land with students in Northern Michigan? Like, like, do they, do they get it? Um, and, and what does that look like in your presentations? Yeah, I think, I think here in Northern Michigan, there is a lot of, especially in the community that we're in, uh, there's a lot of haves and have nots in our community. And I think for most people, if you can be real and honest with them and you can kind of dive past some of the obvious differences uh, and really get to the heart of the issue that we are all the same in this. We are all sinners. We are all people who have struggle, who have strife. We're all people who make the wrong choice and we're in need of a savior. And that, and to create that like level playing field, it seems to me like if nothing else, students are interested in that idea of us all being the same. I think there's so much in our world that is screaming at them. Um, it, it, nobody's the same. Everybody's different. Everybody's unique. And, and some of that stuff is true and good, but the fact remains but when we boil it all down, we're the same. We're people who are far from God in need of a savior. And I think if we can get to that point with them, uh, there is like a sense of relief almost that it's that simple. Uh, and we're, we're starting to see that with some of our kids, especially who, who are coming from lower income places, but there's a sense of relief that this is a level playing field because we can all agree on these very basic human truths that we're far from God and we need Jesus. And I think by way of presentation, 
you know, we've been talking a lot in the last several weeks about the reality that um, God will never accept the boxes you have checked in your life as payment for your sin. God will never accept the good things that you have done up until this point as payment for your sin. And God will never accept those things, no matter how many times you do them and no matter how many years you do them, it's never going to be enough. And to live in this place of need and need of grace, which I think is so hard, especially for our church kids to really wrap their heads around because they've come so many times and they've been there so consistently to, to really just be honest in our presentation to say, look, I'm so glad that you're here, but if you don't know Jesus, it doesn't matter. And, and if you haven't given your life to Jesus and, and accepted in faith in him as your savior, you could show up every Wednesday for the rest of your life and it won't matter. And that, that really kind of blunt and to the point presentation of the gospel has really shown us that there are a lot of kids who have misconceptions about what it really means to put your faith in Jesus. Yeah, and I guess that really goes to the heart of the affluent kids as well. Yeah, I think so. I think, um, you know, for kids who are like high achieving or affluent, there is a lot of pressure to be good enough, mm. uh, to do enough to, to maintain kind of the status that your family holds on to or that your family owns. Um, and I think for them, the natural inclination is to fall into works and works being the most important thing. Uh, and, you know, never making them feel ashamed that they do things for God, never making yeah. them feel ashamed that they're consistent, always saying, we're glad that you're here. I'm so thankful that you're here every week. But then to also provide the perspective of you're not here because it's going to save you. You're here because you love Jesus and you're here because you want to live in God's will for you now that you've given your life to Jesus. Um, and really making that be at the forefront of how we talk, especially to kids who are who are really striving in life uh, to make something of themselves. A little bit of a, a gear shift here, Rich. Just thinking about you know the church in general, uh, and not to put your specific uh, church, New Hope, there in Traverse City on the spot, but uh, what's the biggest challenge facing the church? when it comes to reaching the next generation? I think there's a few things that are, that are really difficult. I think one of the big things that's difficult and something that I've really been considering a lot lately is how community involved the early church was, Mm. how there was like a daily presence of the church in the community and that they were using their gathering together as an opportunity to reach people with the gospel. And I think both of those things can be really difficult uh, for us as a church in general these days, because it's like, how do we interact with a group of people who is unchurched, who maybe is even opposed to the church as an institution? How do we walk alongside people that seem like our enemy? Mm. And how do we care about them in such a way um, that we are given the opportunity by the working of the Holy spirit to demonstrate to them that the gospel maybe isn't what they think that putting faith in Jesus maybe isn't what they think it is. And so I think for us and and for a lot of churches, that's a huge struggle. How do we live in such a way and in such proximity that we don't see them as the enemy, but we see them as people that we have love, compassion and empathy for. 
Yeah, that that's incredible. And I, I think that's something that all modern day churches in America struggle with. And yeah. to your earlier point, I th- we're at a place kind of where Sunday is a happening and, and we do want it to be, you know, a place that, you know, an unchurched per- person would want to come and check things out and explore who Jesus is. But Sunday has become such a happening that maybe we get yeah. lost in making that happen and miss the day to day. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's definitely, you know, something that I personally struggle with, with my Wednesday night is man, I spend a lot of time and effort making my Wednesday night as good as it can be. And I think a lot of that time and effort is good and it's important right? Um, because we are trying to create a space where everyone feels welcome, where everyone has an opportunity to learn and to grow, where everyone is going to be encountered by the gospel of Jesus Christ. But at the same time, I also look at my week and the hours that I spend um, kind of behind the walls of Christendom, um, just at the church, in my office, in our building, um, doing things that are good and productive for our Wednesday night, but in a certain sense are unproductive for me as a person who's following Jesus because I am not in the community as much as I would like to be. And I don't know people like I would love to. And and so that's something that um, our family is currently trying to live in and walk in. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our son just started playing in a soccer league, a local soccer league here and, and getting to meet some of those parents. Um, my wife is currently um, building a friendship with somebody who owns a vintage store in town um, at, at over over this idea of helping her figure out if vintage puzzles have all the pieces so she can sell them. Uh, and, and I just started at a new barber. And so we're, we're trying to figure out ways to have uh, normal life become a mission field for us um, and give some of the time that we would maybe normally give to doing church uh, towards this idea of being church towards somebody who's far from God. That's interesting, and I love that because I think sometimes, at least down here uh, in the South, we we see the sports leagues as the church's enemy sometimes, uh, when in actuality our, our people need to have their kids in those leagues, and they need to be meeting people that are far from God. Yeah, I think it's tough because we have groups of kids that we don't see for weeks on end because of sports. And, you know, you want to see them and you want them to be there because you think what you have going on is important. Um, but there is also a sense that, that um, we don't want them to just show up for our stuff. We want them to be out doing things that are going to allow them uh, to be God's person in a place where there is no church building. And, um, so we have to, I think, at least for me personally, I have to learn to let go of uh, some of the angst that I feel like, oh man, we're only going to have 40 tonight because I know 10 kids have a sports game. And, and to start having this fear about, well, is all this effort and time that I put into my Wednesday night going to be worth it if X number of people don't show up um, and participate? And realizing that instead I should be encouraging that kid to be like, hey, how was your game this week? Uh who on your team are you trying to show the love of Jesus to? How can I help you in that? How can I encourage you to bring them with you the next time you guys don't have a game? Or uh, maybe I can come to one of your games that's not on Wednesday and, and we can meet up afterwards and grab something to eat. Uh, and just using that as an opportunity instead of looking at it at it as an opposition. Man, that's, that's so good. 
Rich, I only have one more question for you, and it's kind of a loaded question. So if you, okay. know, if you know, what can church leaders do, what can upper-level uh, church leadership do to help student leaders um, reach the next generation? I think a big part of it is uh, two things. Number one, offering training. Uh, some of the training is going to be about your own culture and what you're trying to accomplish as a ministry. Yeah. And I think that's invaluable to do multiple times a year where you just get your trainers together, feed them your volunteers together, feed them something good. Don't order little Caesars or some garbage pizza, like get them <laughs> a good meal, sit them down, tell them that you appreciate them, uh, hit all the high points of the ministry and all the things that are growing well and remind them of why we're doing what we're doing. Keep the why in front of them at all times. Yeah. Um, so that way they're less likely to experience burnout and they're more likely to feel encouraged and open to use their God-given creativity to help expand the ministry. And I think the second thing that is hugely important is to lead by example in that. Uh, lead by example in seeking out students and showing up for students outside of church, but to also invite your volunteers to come alongside you when you're doing that to say, hey, this Friday, I'm going to go see this kid who's in your group play baseball. Do you want to come with me? And to encourage them to live alongside of you in seeing kids outside of church and then to model the behavior of, hey, why don't you introduce me to your team? Hey, I'd love to meet your coach. Hey, can we you know, buy you guys dinner after the game? Uh, and to show them that all those things are okay and acceptable and good behaviors that are going to allow that leader um, to be a big and significant part of that kid's life as well as part of their world. Yeah, not to oversimplify, it always comes back to loving Jesus and loving people, right? Yeah, exactly. Richie, uh, man, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate your time. Is there anything you'd like to add before we head out of here? I don't think so. I appreciate you guys having me and uh, so thankful that we're going to get to partner together this summer. Excited to have Spencer and the guys up and lead worship with us and uh, just grateful for the opportunity so cool man thanks again for your time I hope you have a happy birthday tomorrow thanks I appreciate it talk to you later alright bye hey y'all that was Richie Henson he's the student pastor at New Hope Church in Traverse City Michigan uh, thanks for joining us today hey follow us on social media at Marathon Church uh, if you have any questions or comments you can hit us at info at Marathon Church I'm your host, Craig Henson. So thankful to production director extraordinary Jacob Hammond for being on the board today. Thanks a lot, Jacob. Thanks for listening, y'all, and we will talk to you next time.